Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 504. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy to have you here with us today. And I'm thrilled to introduce today's guest, Diane Huth. Diane is an author and the founder of dianehuth.com. And just a week ago, as of the date of this recording, she launched her new book, which we will be talking about today. But Diane, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Why, thank you, Kim. It's great to be here with you and with all of your wonderful listeners and followers. Thank you so much for bearing with me this morning, by the way. Listeners, you know positive productivity is not about perfection. I've had tech issues, animal issues, and, well, mouth issues, yeah. So (laughs) I know we're going to have a lot of fun in today's episode. But Diane, I would love if you would share with the listeners a little bit of your background and how you got to where you are today. Well, I'd love to, Kim. My moniker or my what I call myself is the accidental career coach. I'm not a human resources or a recruiting professional. I've worked in corporate marketing and branding for more than 30 years with big companies like Johnson & Johnson, Frito-Lay, Carnation, CBS Television, lots of big companies. A few years ago, about three years ago, I started teaching marketing at two universities, and I discovered that my wonderful, brilliant, talented students didn't have a clue on how to get a job when they graduated. So I wrote a presentation that grew up to be a seminar and a webinar and finally grew up to become a book to teach them how to use the marketing skills that I teach them in class to market their most important product, which is themselves, to help them get a job. And so I wrote my book, Brand You, to get to land your dream job, to help college students and young professionals find and land a great job. Then I discovered a crisis that's going on in America, and that is the baby boomer unemployment crisis. So many of my peers, people in their 50s, 60s, even down in their 40s, can't get the same high quality jobs that they had just a few years ago because of age discrimination. And I was stunned to realize that that's me. I could not get an interview today for a job that I had rocked 20 years ago. And so I'm on a mission to help get out the word that age discrimination is out there. It exists. Mature professionals have a role in business and and in corporations, and we need to help them find a job. And we have to have companies realize what they can do to best utilize this, this pool of mature talent. So my mission is I'm going to help corporate America change the way it hires fires and retires its most experienced workers. Isn't that fun? Oh my gosh, that is so fun. And I, sorry, dad, I don't want to embarrass you at all. But my dad was a CFO of a company for years. And he lost his job when the office that he was working in shut in the 90s. But the problem with my dad was that he had been doing accounting and ledger books. And when when it came to, and I know this is the 90s. And by then, you know, well, I honestly don't know if Excel was, I would have to assume that Excel was about, but dad barely knew how to turn on a computer when he lost his job. And we didn't have computers until the 80s. Right. But it was just never part of the office that he worked in. And he had a whole room of assistants who supported him in everything that he did. Right. So he lost his job and he went to go find a new one. And I I don't really know what happened. I know he was in another job and I don't know what happened there. He ended up starting his own company. 
or buying, he ended up buying a grocery actually. Wow. But that's a big change. It was a very big change. And I don't think he was quite prepared for entrepreneurship. Again, dad, I don't know if you've ever listened to an episode and I hope I'm not embarrassing you in any way. But now I'm not going to put an age on him, but he's exactly in the baby boomer market that you're talking about. And I have to wonder, and I want to ask you your opinion. Do you think that there is a, I don't want to say a market because there's colleges and technical training centers all around, but do you think that colleges and training centers are, are doing their part in marketing to this generation that could really use to know the skills that they need to be reentering or staying in the workforce? I don't think anybody's really talking about this enough. Nobody is, you know, getting on a soapbox or stomping their feet to say, hey, pay attention to this age discrimination crisis that's going on there. There are lots of resources out there, but nobody is talking about them. They're not being marketed. The available resources like training for goodwill or for AARP and and people who have federal government grants, they train baby boomers, but only if you're indigent, only if you're below the poverty line. So if you're currently working or if you have a home and some assets, you don't qualify for any of the government training programs. And they're out there. One of the things I didn't know until I started researching this book is that many community colleges, and everyone is different, offer free tuition if you're over 55 or over a certain age. So they offer free tuition to baby boomers. And a number of them have a program that if you you know come to class, the first day of class is not full, you can get free tuition. But they don't market this. They don't promote it. Very few people know about these free or low-cost ways to increase your technology skills. And, Kim, the number one problem that baby boomers have is exactly what your dad experienced, lack of current technology skills. That is the reason that companies are hiring younger workers and kicking out their older workers. So we, as the baby boomer generation, have got to proactively take immediate and drastic steps to increase our technology level. And I think that baby boomers should spend at least half an hour every day learning something new about technology. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. My mom last summer actually called me and she's been an entrepreneur for two decades now. She started with a fax machine and then she's been submitting her work electronically, but she had to call and ask me last summer, how do I attach a file to an email? And wow. it completely blew my mind. I was like, wait a second. You've been working for yourself and dealing with email, albeit AOL. You know, I think we all started there at some point for two decades. And you did not know how to attach an, a document to an email. I mean, she knew how to send pictures through her smartphone, <laughs> but she didn't know how to send an attachment with an email. And this upcoming week, I'm actually driving back to Rochester to see my family for the first time in three years. The last time I was at home, I remember very clearly that my dad was sitting at the dining room table and he had a laptop in front of him. And I looked at him and I said, do you need any help with that? Because I, I didn't know what he was doing. He's like, oh no, I go to all my news sites. This is how I read my news every day. And it shocked the heck out of me. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that's probably being age discriminatory, but I looked at my dad and I was like, he can figure this thing out. No, he's not as old as a caveman by far, <laughs> but I, I, it shocked me. And I don't, now that I admit that out loud, now I can totally see how it'd be so relevant or not relevant. What's the word that I'm looking for, Diane? Important. Prevalent? In, yeah, prevalent. <laughs> because we're not, we're casting judgment even before knowing the full facts. 
Right. And that is one of the biggest things. It's interesting, Kim. There are some studies that have done the best. What's the best age to start a new business? Is it when you're like Mark Zuckerberg and in college? No, it's when you're over 50. Yep. And we, you know, we have so many skills to offer. If the technology is the elephant in the room, we've got to address it. And in positioning yourselves in the market as, as, a, as a mature professional, I think the number one thing that boomers need to do is to showcase their, uh, their technology and, and their use of it. With simple things like wearing an Apple Watch, having a Fitbit, doing everything on your your smartphone, having a new slim laptop that you bring, you know, to meetings, having an iPad. So even if you have a hobby, get a drone instead of knitting, you know, do things with technology bent because that will change people's opinions of your suitability for the workplace. But that discounts the expertise and the knowledge that they have, don't you think? I think that is our biggest advantage. And one of the things that that we need to point out is why our generation should be in demand by corporate America. Uh The key advantages that we bring that often people don't, employers don't pay attention to or don't recognize. And when I say employers, when we talk to You know, when you're recruited for a job, you don't get to talk generally to the CEO. The CEO is 60 and he understands the value of maturity and experience. But the 24-year-old junior HR recruiter, you're not as relevant to her and she doesn't know the value. So I, I help to coach baby boomers in the 10 key reasons that they need to have baby boomers and the advantages that we bring to the workplace. And they're things like, you know, just company and industry expertise, the legacy knowledge of, of what has happened in your business and your industry. A brand new person doesn't have that. They don't have the extensive range of industry contacts. They don't know what has happened. They don't know how to connect with other people in the industry at a personal level. Because when you're older, you have people you've worked with who are now in different industries and maybe they're customers. And so you can tap into that huge network, which to me is one of our key advantages. We have a very strong and proven worth, work ethic and reliability and stability. Uh, an employer knows knows your, your mature worker who's been there for years and knows they can count on them and what they can deliver. Wisdom and judgment plus problem solving skills. One of the number one things that, that employers are looking for is the ability to solve problems. And that comes with age and maturity and experience, you know, being able to look at things with different things. And then the ability, I think what our role as we get older, and I I just wrote a, a, a news release and a blog post about this, is what should our role be? I don't want to compete with a 24-year-old for the same job I had 20 years ago. So it's not a competitive thing. We think we're losing our jobs to baby boomers. The problem is companies don't know how to use our skill set. And to me, it should be to create a new role where the mature, experienced professionals go into a role of mentoring and coaching and leading people to develop the skills. So if you have a a bunch of young workers, the mature professional should really be in the coach and mentoring role as opposed to directly supervising and critiquing them or being edged out by them. So so we need to use we need to help transfer our skill set to younger workers and we need to do that in a coaching role. I'm mixed about that. I got to be totally honest. I think okay. the ment- and I I'm not confrontational, you know that. Um, I know. My grandparents, my father's parents were both lifelong employees 
or career long. I know what I'm trying to say. They never left Eastman Kodak from the day they started working to the day they retired. That's where they Mm -hmm. worked. However, with the change in technology, people are seeing that there are other opportunities. And they're also realizing that maybe what they were once passionate about isn't what they're passionate about anymore. If they were even truly passionate about things once. I mean, I personally started out my career as an interior architect. Hmm. But after I lost my job, I realized I really don't enjoy it. You know, is this what I have to be doing? And seeing from my parents, you know, well, my dad, especially, I mean, he, he continued on the financial path, but I'm wondering if that's really what he wanted to do. So I'd love to hear more about the mentorship. What do you think can be the most valuable mentoring insight the baby boomers can give to, let's say, millennials who are just entering the workforce? A lot of it is the the industry legacy and experience, because if if you come up with a bright idea, but you don't know what has happened in the past, you may make mistakes. We've already made a lot of mistakes. Let's learn from them. If I can pass on that learning to you so we can evaluate ideas or concepts or programs objectively with new eyes saying, hey, the market has changed, circumstances are changed, but let's at least evaluate what has happened in the past so that we don't make the same mistakes we already made. Let's make new ones as we launch new things. I think networking is very important. I believe one of the key advantages that older workers have is understanding the value of money. When I look at my son's generation, he's not yet 30. You know, I go to weddings that cost $50,000. The bride has a $5,000 dress. The invitations are $7 each. How do I know that that person understands the financial underpinning of a company, how important financial responsibility is, whether it's department budgets or personal spending? I think the understanding of business operations and the financial impact of what you do is something that we can help to understand because I didn't when I got I had two master's degrees I had an MBA when I got out of school you know fresh you know freshly minted MBA I had no clue about that stuff but I wish I had had somebody who could have helped me avoid mistakes or lack of understanding. I would have been a better professional if I had had someone who could take me aside and and help coach me and explain things. And today, I don't even think it's just, it's not a one-way mentoring. I think we have to barter our technology skills of the young worker with our, our mature industry knowledge and expertise. So, It's not a one-way street. It's not just me teaching you. I do that. I'm at a university. I teach people all day long. But it is training. I'm going to help you develop these communication skills and industry understanding. I want you to help me develop my technology skills. So we really have to barter or exchange in a cross-mentoring role today and not see it as competitive, seen as nurturing. Oh, I love that. All of it. And I especially love the value of money, as you were just talking about. When I got married the first time, I've been married twice now. When I got married the first time, the wedding cost more than it should have. I had the big fancy wedding dress. I don't think they were $7 invitations, but yeah, more than they really needed to be. And the marriage didn't last. Mm-hmm. And the second time I made my wedding dress, I knit it. And I think we got our wedding invitations from Shutterfly or something like that. Just simple ones. I think they cost 50 cents a piece. And it was a very small wedding, but it wasn't about the money spent. It was about the love in the room. And now we can look at that in any area of business. Do we really, I mean, look at the life of entrepreneurs these days. Do we really need to spend $300 a month on on Infusionsoft? I'm not knocking Infusionsoft, by the way, I'm a certified partner. 
Or can we get exactly what we need at this time using another system? Mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I can see how, and I'm not a millennial, we can get ideas and just charge forward without even looking back and seeing how it has worked for others. So I love that mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Do you believe that confidence can dwindle in baby boomers? I mean, I know that when I started my company as well, it's evolved since when it started, but my confidence had really tanked a bit. I mean, I, I had never been a virtual assistant and that's how I started the business and I wasn't confident in the skills I had. So I was really undervaluing myself and not really posing myself in an expert in any way. And I, I would have to imagine that for baby boomers, there can be a little struggle with confidence when you're going out into the workplace and trying to compete with millennials, even though it really, in my opinion, shouldn't be a competition. You just have to have confidence in yourself and the skills and all the value that you bring to the table, regardless of any technology mm-hmm. shortages. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, when we were all younger, we think we know everything, right? Oh, yeah. We think we are, you know, the best. We know everything. We're the brightest, the most talented. The older I get, the more I know what I don't know. If you don't know what you don't know, then you don't, then you're confident. The older I get, I realize, oh my gosh, there is so much out there. And one of the things we need to do is be on a lifelong journey of learning. We need to embrace learning because so I got a couple of master's degrees 35 years ago. Does it matter to anybody except the university that I teach at? Because I have to have that credential. But does it make me better in the marketplace? No. It's what I'm learning today that's current, that matters, my current skill sets. So that's important. And when we realize what we don't know, it changes things because you become a sponge, hopefully, and open to new learning experiences and new adventures. And instead of of charting our way like we did when we were younger, we discover our path. I also think, so I think it's part of growing older is realizing what you don't know and how much there is to know. I also think that many, many baby boomers have their self-confidence shattered by unexpected job loss and the inability to get a new job. I have talked to so many people who who really are in tears at their loss of jobs, of income, but also their personal identity. Our, my older generation, we see ourselves as our jobs. When you ask me, what do you do? I'm a professor, I'm an author, and I'm a marketer, and I'm, a, you know, I define myself by my job, by what I do. And my son, he defines himself by who he is and what he does is incidental. So he says, you know, I'm a son, I'm a husband, I'm a doggy daddy, I'm a, a um, you know, a master, he, he makes forging and, and swords and things like that. And oh, by the way, I make a living doing this. So there's a different identity between generations and how we see who we are. But my older generation, we identify ourselves with our jobs. If you don't have a job, you are nobody. You've lost your identity. One of the biggest problems that I see when I talk to older people who are out of work is that lack of confidence. And that is indicated by the fact that they stop networking because they're embarrassed to say, I don't have a job. They're embarrassed to show up without a business card because we've had business cards all of our life. Who we are is the title that's on that business card and it's affiliated with the logo of the company. When you don't have that, all of a sudden you're very uncertain. And so I coach people 
Number one, everybody who's got at least 10 years of experience doing anything, you need to have your own consulting company. And all that is, is a three or four page informational, you know, branding website. You can be a sole practitioner as long as you call your business your name. And you need a business card so that you can engage with people. And the business card may not be a title. It may say branding, marketing, social media. It might say, you know, process engineering. It doesn't have to say I am this title with a company. It's more my abilities. And so therefore you feel more confident talking to people. But most people feel so intimidated by the loss of their career credential. It's who they are that they become very insecure. And when you you know you're bright and you're talented and all of a sudden you have door after door after door slammed in your face and you're told that you're no good and you're told you're not of value, yeah, it ruins your confidence. I can totally see that. And I spend a little bit of time on LinkedIn, Diana, and I've noticed quite a few people who actually put unemployed as their title on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And it makes me sad. Yes, you might not be employed at this moment, but who are you? And right. you've, you've got me thinking right now, who am I? I mean, yes, I'm a mom of five and a podcaster and a marketing strategist. But beyond that, I mean, those are all job titles. Who am I? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to have me thinking about that for the whole rest of the day. Listeners, <laughs> I want you to think about who you are and... I will share later what the number of or where you can find the show notes. I forgot to pull that spreadsheet up. And I'd love for you to leave a comment below the show notes on who you are. And don't put your title in there. What are you learning about right now, Diane? If I look at myself in this context, I think I'm a teacher and a mentor. I kind of ended up here teaching at a university because that's just this crazy path that what do you do when you're 65 and you're at the top of your field and you can't get the job that you want? Well, one of the things you can teach, you can mentor others. So today, my path and and the path of my books has been to help other people. And I think that's what we do in life, you know, is we, we help the next generation. We help our peers. And so we teach, we train, we coach, we mentor, we help others. So that's kind of where I think my role is right now. Teacher and mentor. I can see that completely. I guess I'm a mom to lots of people. You know, yeah. once you become a mom, Kim, you know, your life changes. You oh, always yeah. be a mom, right? Oh, yeah. So I guess I can professionally parent lots of people because a parent should be nurturing and mentoring and coaching and sacrificing for other people to help them be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned earlier that, that baby boomers, and I want to expand it beyond baby boomers, I think everybody should be spending a half day or half hour a day learning. What are you learning right now? And what are you most excited about learning? Oh, my God. When I look back at the last year, I I published my first book a year and a half ago. Okay, it has been a wild ride. Okay, I learned about publishing. I learned about self-publishing. I just finished recording my own audio book. So I I recorded my book and it's available um, when you buy my regular book. So I set up a recording studio. I'm talking off my Yeti mic through a computer using Skype. So the technology of audio recording and just everything I'm learning 
podcasting right now. Um, I went to the podcasting program that we met at, but it came up yesterday. I was not interested in starting a podcast, but I realized, and this crazy idea, marketing idea, job, the, the federal job reports comes out the first Friday of every month. That's a news story, period. I know that on Friday, October 5th at 8.30 in the morning, the federal government is going to release the job stats. So I need for a PR viewpoint to have a, a story in their hands. So I'm sending out a digital press release and I'm, I just recorded last night a radio story and I'll have a print story and I'll do an, uh, a video also. So I'm doing videos and YouTubes and have video editors. I just did my first, you know, CBS interview. So it's just a lifelong learning, but it's, I'm learning so much that I didn't know a year ago that it is mind boggling. Mm. And Aren't I blessed at my age that I am, you know, I'm on that fire, I'm drinking from the fire hose of knowledge and sometimes overwhelmed as opposed to bored and spending my days in, you know, make do activities. Right. So that's what we need to be doing. I think we ought to, we ought to work doing something until we die. What else do you want to do? Mm. But it doesn't have to be work for a company. It can have your own business. It can be consulting. It can be coaching. We can move as we get older from what I call go from success to significance. Maybe you want to help people. Maybe you want to start a nonprofit. Maybe you want to volunteer for an existing nonprofit. But we should be using the gift of these years. And we have 20 more years than our parents did in terms of expected lifespan. We should be using these extra years to continue to grow and develop and learn. And if you're not learning, and if you're through learning, you're through. What else are you going to do? So embrace new stuff. It's scary. When I look at some of the marketing programs, like I've got to start a webinar. So six months ago, I subscribed to Webinar Jam. And I haven't done my first webinar because I'm intimidated because I'm marketing myself. I would do it in a flash for an employer. If I were working for a company, I would have no qualms about, let's just go do this thing. But because I'm doing it for myself and positioning and marketing or selling myself, I'm more intimidated than I would be to embrace this new technology. It's like, get over it. Diane, do you already have the topic for your webinar picked out? Not yet. <laughs> One of them I'm, I'm thinking is the, the roadmap to reinvention mm. for this series. And then this, this little short mini thing that I'm thinking about for the jobs is just the job, the, I forget, the job release, the monthly job release report, something like that. And that would be specifically for a three-minute video or three-minute audio that I can use the podcast to deliver it to TV and radio stations. But I think I'm, I'm liking the, the roadmap to reinvention. Absolutely. I'll take suggestions. Well, I have a confession. I had a couple webinars that I tried to do in the past, but I was just so scared of them. That was before the podcast. And I would only have like one person show up and I would do them or in total transparency, I canceled a whole bunch of them because I was, well, I had a sick kid once or I just, I really wasn't passionate about it. But at that time I didn't know I was passionate, but <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I was just like, I really don't want to do this. Do you think that you could put this t webinar together in the next three months? Because if you say yes, I'm going to do it with you. And then we're going to come back and cross compare. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do it next month. Oh, well, there yeah, you go. Okay. Yes. So November of 2018, folks, we are both hosting our own webinars. 
Actually, I've been meaning to do a five-day video series. I'm going to host it as webinars, I think. I'm not quite sure, but I already have it all laid out, like outlined and everything. So do I. But it's just like, why haven't I done it yet? Because we can keep on making up a thousand excuses, but it's not even baby boomers, but we can look at a large portion of the population. I got this statistic from Brennan Burchard. He said, Americans on average spend, I think he said, and I'm going to have to look up the actual statistics. I wasn't planning on talking about this. 2,000 hours a year watching TV. Oh, yeah. On I mean, average, what if we, we spend six hours a day consuming media. Okay, so six. Well, yeah, so that's just about, I mean, it's a little bit less than two. I mean, it, that's just as many hours. No, let's say it is 2,000 because eight hours a day working in a job full time, that's about 2,000 hours a year. So, yeah, that would work. It's just ridiculous. But what if we just spent half an hour to an hour of that making content that could go out there and, and even show our expertise. I'm working with a client right now who's in his mid fifties and has dreams of becoming a collegiate basketball coach mm. in mid fifties. You know, he's scared because he thinks that his opportunity might be gone because of his age, but no, he's had experience. He's played collegiate basketball. Oh. He's coached in high school. He's coached, all different letter or levels, but now it's just that that mindset and the mental block that's getting in the way and telling them, "No, I'm too old." Well, no, you're not too old, but you need to position yourself as the man. Yeah, yeah. As I've got thirty years or forty or whatever it is of experience that lets me help you be successful. Mm-hmm. So it's not just right? corporate. For all the listeners, it's not just corporate. It's whatever your dreams are. Don't let your age get you down. I didn't know a darn thing about what I wanted to be, or I thought I did. We already talked about this. I thought I knew everything when I was in my 20s. I don't think I even got a clue of anything until I was 35. But it changes. And it does On change, average, yeah. you change careers, not jobs, careers every yep. seven to 10 years. And so we can easily expect to have three to four different careers because it's boring to do the same thing you did 20 years ago. I don't want to do the same thing I did 20 years ago. I want to learn something new. And you, you know the concept of a sabbatical, right? comes from Sabbath, yeah. seventh days, because every seven years you reinvent yourself. So the concept of a sabbatical is after seven years of doing whatever you're doing, you go away for a year and you discover new things and you reinvent yourself and you, you learn or you publish or you do something and then you come back refreshed with a whole new dimension. So in fact, I tell job seekers who are between jobs, they don't know what to say to people, say, you're on a sabbatical from this high pressure job, really trying to find out what is going to be meaningful you as you go forward, as opposed to saying I'm unemployed. Right? That's amazing. Is there a way to take a sabbatical from our from our kids? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I was being a smart butt. I said, is there a way to take a sabbatical from our kids? Our husband or my husband and I could use that right now. It's called summer camp and grandma. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm actually, I want to go back to something that you were originally talking about. I'm actually in a mastermind and we call ourselves the unretirables because Uh we cannot picture ourselves at all. I mean, I look at my own grandparents, the ones I was talking about earlier, they retired and then they watched daytime TV or watched the, the grandkids, which I think is awesome. But my husband and I have already committed to each other that when our kids are out, we're not changing any more diapers. Mm-hmm. Well, it might change your mind when you we get might. there. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's a big cultural shift. And I write about that in my book because our culture established that 
when you get to 65, you retire and you no longer work. But that also means you're no longer productive. Here's a crazy fact. Social Security was established at the age 65 in the year 1935. In the year 19, if you were born in 1900, you would be like a 35-year-old legislator. Your life expectancy was 47. So 47. those people whose life expectancy was 47 established Social Security to kick in 18 years after the average, you know, life expectancy to take care of very, very ancient elderly people whose children had probably already died. And today, our life expectancy, if you're my age, our life expectancy is between 83 and 85. So my life expectancy is another 18 to 20 years. Now I have genes. My mother is 95. Her dad died at 99. My grandmother at 93. I'm going to live a lot longer than 85. So I've got 25 years ahead of me. What am I going to do for 25 years when I can no longer find a role in corporate America? Number one, I've got to become more relevant, but also I need to find new things that engage and stimulate me and I'm passionate about and hopefully I have that social security income so I don't have to work to pay the mortgage. I can do things that maybe don't pay as well or I can volunteer or I can do things that let me feel excited and happy about life and give back and build, but I've got to keep learning. What am I going to do? Watch TV, play bridge, drink in the afternoon? What do you do? Right. I was at a doctor's appointment this morning. This is me being totally transparent, so please forgive me. It was the it was the lady doctor. And I've been seeing the same doctor for 14 years. And I was thrilled when I got there this morning to see my doctor's mother in the office. <sighs> I saw her eight years ago. She is this little petite thing who... Forgive me, Nancy. I know you're up there. You're an amazing woman, but I know you're up there. But it just made me so happy. But looking at all the other nursing staff, they're in their 20s. This isn't corporate, but I can imagine even in, in nursing. There are nursing students who are coming out with the latest and greatest, quote, greatest medical technology. But then we have nurses who came out of nursing school 30, 40, 50 years ago. And how are they going to get into there if they haven't been working in a while? Nursing is the one field that is in such great demand that mature workers can find a job as old as possible. I mean, that is that is the one field that there is huge demand and that age matters less. And there are other types of jobs that may be less depending. Um, My mom is on hospice care. And many of the nurses that come are older, more mature professionals because you're dealing with an aging, you know, population. And so a lot of older workers work with geriatric or older care. And, you know, kind of don't work the eight to five route. They do home health care and things like that Mm -hmm. where your maturity and experience, the ability to relate to families of different ages really matters. Yeah. More so than how how efficient can I be in, in starting a new line or, or changing, you know, a bandage or something. It's, it's really talking and caring for people. So nursing, if you're in nursing, that is like the super employment area. There's so much demand for nurses. And it will continue because the aging of America means that we're going to need you know, geriatric care and care for older people. Is it a huge industry? Yep going forward. Well, I can see how, and I'm just going to go back to what you were talking about earlier with mentorship. I can see how the mentorship of older nurses versus younger nurses would be so relevant because 
just their bedside manner. I would hope that in a lot of cases it would be more and maybe the compassion and the empathy has grown a little bit more. Yeah. And I can see how those years of experience would really serve well to be learned and taught to the younger generations of nurses. And and think about cross-mentoring. There may be yep. new technologies, new Absolutely. things that they learned in nursing school, new equipment that they can help their older mentors come up to speed with. Oh, absolutely. So both can be relevant. Absolutely. Wow. Now, I'm so intrigued to see how this goes across industries. I want to go back even further before in our conversation where you were talking about goodwill. When I left my ex-husband in 2010, I was on public assistance and part of the public assistance required that I get, went to open interviews every Friday. And Goodwill was one of the organizations that was there. And it was pretty painful at that time. But they interviewed me and they said, we think you'd make a great employee, but I'm sorry, I can't hire you. You're overqualified. And we know you won't stick around for long. Which is just so unfortunate. I mean, I say unfortunate because I can see how there would be people... Uh, baby boomers who would be great in roles that goodwill may have. But if they're only considering people who are poverty stricken, that I mean, the baby boomers are going to be poverty stricken if they're not given the opportunity to get back out in the workforce. Right. There's a bankruptcy crisis that's going on right now. There have been articles in all the big publication. There has been an increase in baby boomer bankruptcy that's phenomenal. Of those 75% of age 75 years or older, the bankruptcy rate in the last 15 years has increased over 2,000%. And of those age 65 to 75, it has tripled in the last 10 years. Because... For one, medical care has become so expensive. If you don't have insurance, a heart attack, a stroke, a diabetes, uh, a liver transplant, any of those things costs a million bucks. Mm -hmm. If you don't have insurance, you have got to be forced into destitution. You lose everything, all your savings, before you can get government Medicaid services. Right. That's why a lot of older people get divorced from their longtime mate, because they can't get medical care. Uh, if they have any income or a home. So often you get older people get divorced so that their ill partner can get medical care. But even if you have insurance, some statistics like 40% or the vast majority of of medical uh, bankruptcies for people over 65 is due to medical expenses, something like 70%. And of those people, three quarters had medical insurance. But if you have insurance and you have a million-dollar catastrophic illness and your deductible is $30,000, that's going to wipe out many people. And if you don't have an income coming in, what are you going to do? We have this golden target. When I reach age 65, you cross the finish line because you can get Medicare. And that is the number one thing. People stand in Walmart and greet people and drive school buses so that they can get insurance. Because Mm -hmm. if you're older, if you're over 50, you can't get reasonably priced medical insurance without medical insurance. A tiny hiccup, you're wiped out. It's just this this terrible situation of people. And one of the things I'm advocating, and and we have to talk about it, there has to be a pre-Medicare insurance plan because you can't put off everything to get to 65. 
how, how about if you have a medical crisis at 63 or 60, the federal government mandates that you can charge no more than three to five times more for a baby boomer, this is Obamacare, than you do for a younger worker. Medical insurance premiums for someone my age or, or younger at 55, 60 are like $1,200 a month per person. Wow. And then you have twenty dollars to $30,000 deductible. Oh. It forces people into poverty to get their illnesses cared for. Yeah. So it's a real catch-22. My maternal grandmother had dementia, and it wasn't possible for her to get home care because the finances just weren't there. I mean, it would have cost an arm and a leg. She had to go into a home. But the only way she could go in there was to sell off the beautiful home that she and my grandfather had had paid off for years and and Medicare. And by the time she passed, I think all equity that she had possibly ever had was completely gone. I mean, there was nothing left. Right. You have to completely deplete your life savings and all your assets before you're eligible for Medicaid. Now, when you get Medicare, when you reach 65, then you've earned that. You've paid those premiums. They don't require that. But if until you reach 65, you want medical care, you've got to be indigent. So we're forcing this huge generation. There are 32 million baby boomers still working and another 20 million who are not working. And we've got this generational crisis that nobody is talking about how you get there. You know, we talk about the, you know, you hear on the government politics talking about the social security funding, you know, crisis. Will social security run out of money? You'll run out of money before you can get social security. That's the crisis of of Americans living today. And talking at a macro level, just think I'm, I'm trying to find help people stay employable and help companies realize the value to employ those people. The average retirement age today is 63. Okay, that's when you can start getting Social Security at 62, the the limited, you get the full at 66. Okay, but the average retirement age is 63. If we as a country could find ways to voluntarily induce those people five years longer to stay in the workforce from 63 to 65 or 68, it would change the financial security of Social Security because people would be putting in to the retirement funds instead of taking out. And it would be huge economic impact on our government and on the viability of Social Security for generations to come. Perhaps this is age discrimination right here, but are the corporations being forced to pay more for the health insurance benefits of the baby boomers? Yeah, until you get 65, then you can, yeah, but, and companies, I did the medical insurance plan um, group benefits for company, a small company, my medical insurance premiums for my young female 24 year old employees who you could expect to get married and have babies, you've got, you know, upcoming medical maternity expenses was like 150 to $200 a month. And for us, there were three of us who were two of us who were over 60. It was $1,200 a month each that the companies had to pay for. Mm. So that's one of the reasons they aren't hiring baby boomers. Now, when you get to 65, then you can get Medicare. Companies don't seem to have like a cafeteria plan, but they should say, okay, once you reach Medicare age, 
we give you that money that we would contribute in bonuses or we give you other things because you no longer need our, our very expensive group medical plan. Right. So that should be reflected in salaries or bonuses or, or other benefits that they could have. Now, I do want to ask, just because a large part of the audience are entrepreneurs. Yep. What about bringing baby boomers into small business and teaching them how to, to start their own? Do you think many are just afraid of doing that? That's one of the things that is very important. It's, it's an important next step. If you want to be productive, you can't get a job in corporate America. What do you do? Well, you go and start your own business. And we should be doing that because we have many years of maturity and experience. It's scary. It's not easy. I'm mentoring or partnering with um, Dr. Anita Leffel, and she is has founded Silver Founders Academy, which is a training and mentoring year-long program for baby boomers and mature professionals over 50 to help them start their own businesses because there's lots of classes and courses. My generation doesn't do well online as much as they need mentoring. They need to talk to a person. They need community. And so she is launching or has launched a program that takes baby boomers specifically and helps them start their businesses and coaches and mentors them through the first year to get them up and running because we're afraid to start. And entrepreneurial skills, you know that. This is not easy. Nobody gave you a roadmap to starting your own business. This is hard stuff. And as an entrepreneur, you end up spending more time doing the things that you don't like to do instead of doing the things that you are good at because that's what takes running a business. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I've had, a, I've had a few baby boomer clients who got caught up in shiny object syndrome because they had all these emails pop up in their inbox and thought, well, this is the magic ticket. This is what I need. This is me. I'm trying to focus on monetizing my business because that's part of, there's so much I realize I don't know, so I want to learn it all. So I'm drinking from the fire hose. I am constantly, I spend probably one to two hours a day listening to webinars and listening to, to podcasts to learn new stuff. But yeah, we have to implement it. Right. And it, one of the things that, and I'm, I'm actually hosting an event in January, trying, it's called Reinvent Your Career, Job Fair and Expo and Job Fair. And what I have come up, it's a day long event for baby boomers. And it gives you the skills that the way I see the market unfolding is number one, you want a hiring fair because you want to find those companies that are willing to embrace and hire mature professionals. And a lot of people over 50, they want to get back in a corporate job for benefits, insurance, credentials, you know, salary, et cetera. So it increase your skills so that you can be hireable. The second whole big part of it is hire yourself. And when you aren't hireable by other people, hire yourself. And I see, I think, five key areas. One, you can set up a consulting business in your area of expertise. Number two, you can set up a service or a retail business. Do something that you've always wanted to do or that you have experience with. You can buy a business. There are business brokers out there and you can buy cash flow from a business. Tends to be expensive. You can buy a franchise, which there are some inexpensive franchises, service franchises that you can do. You can buy a franchise for five or $10,000 or $10,000 if it's a, a small home-based service franchise. Many big ones will cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Or a turnkey business is a multi-level or a direct sales company, which everything you do in business has to do sales. I don't like to do sales. I'm uncomfortable doing sales. I'm a marketer. But 
sales is where the money is. And if you look at a multi-level opportunity, basically they do all the business for you. All you have to do is go and sell. They have the accounting, the infrastructure, the reporting, the computers. So all you need to do is go and sell. So if you like to sell, that's an instant business. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't like to sell either. You can also become a licensed professional. You can be an insurance broker, a real estate agent, a cosmetologist, things that require licensing and set up a business that way. So there are a lot of ways that you can think outside the box and say, okay, if I can't get a job doing what I love to do, what else can I do to to connect with people and to make a living? And those are some of the ways that people should be setting up their own businesses because that may be what we have to do to find meaningful employment is hire ourselves. Absolutely. Where is your event going to be? Is it going to be a live event or a virtual? It's in San Antonio, Texas, January 26th. It's a Saturday. It's all day at a convention center here. And I do plan on live streaming it. I haven't gotten there yet. I've never done live streaming. So we will live stream. And I just have to learn that in the next three months, right? Yep. Yep. It's actually not as difficult as you might think. You just need to have the right video team to support you obviously with the video part but well I'm so excited for you I would love to include a registration page once you have it in the show notes and by the way listeners the show notes can be found at thecamsutton.com forward slash pp504 so again I want you to go to the show notes and leave a comment down below with who you are and do not include your job title but there you're going to find the show notes, transcription, and links to all the places that you can find Diane online. And I would love to ask you where that is. Where can people find out more about you and connect? The easiest way is my brand new website that I launched last week. Congratulations. <laughs> that During my launch week, it was crazy. www.myname, Diane, D-I-A-N-E, Huth, H-U-T-H dot com. And you can link there to everything I've got, a Facebook page, YouTube channel, all that kind of stuff. Fabulous. And again, thekimsutton.com forward slash PP504. Diane, I want to thank you for such a fabulous conversation. I'm sorry that some of my questions may have been a little bit more difficult. I don't think I've ever, I feel like I was more confrontational here than I've ever been in another, but to some, it might not even feel like I was confrontational at all, but you've provided very many just eye-opening and aha moments to me. So thank you. Why, thank you. Could I offer your listeners a gift, a free gift? Yes, please. I have a free PDF download of information. If they're interested, they can go to reinventmycareerplease.com. And I have a gift, which is a downloadable PDF of the 10 reasons they should hire you instead of a millennial. Oh, so I it's reinventmycareerplease.com. So please join it and take this gift. Fabulous. That will be in the show notes as well. Diane, do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? I think we're all reinventing ourselves. We just don't know it. And I think we have to embrace change. Change is scary. Change can be terrifying. But we have got to learn to reinvent ourselves constantly. Every day, we've got to embrace something new. And we've got to let the fear of change and the fear of new drive us with adrenaline to embrace new stuff. Because when you're through growing and you're through learning, you're through at life. So don't stop. Find a new passion and go out and learn and embrace it and do some wonderful things because life is always going to be new every seven years. So maybe you're on the cusp. Seven years, let's go do something neat and wonderful for the next seven to 10 years. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. 